0: As you've heard in our announcements, next Sunday begins a new year in the liturgical life of the church, the, the season of Advent, so that makes this the last Sabbath day of the year. It's, it's uh, been called the uh, Christ the King Sunday, or the Reign of Christ Sunday. Back in 1925, uh, the powers that be in the church designated that we would use this last Sunday of the year to ruminate about the meaning of the reign of Christ. What future is God bringing into reality? What is God up to in our world? What might we look forward to? What should we be about now to prepare for whatever is coming next according to the intention of God? The language about Jesus being king and the reign of God may seem uh, patriarchal or anachronistic, but it's still a good thing to do to think about these questions of future and present and where is God going, what is God up to, and how are we to participate in whatever is going on here. I was thinking about uh, last Weekend, I was on a long hike in the mountains with uh, several members of our church up uh, on the border of North Carolina and Tennessee. It's a, it's a long uh, uphill. Five miles is the shortest route. Eight miles, uh, an, an, another route that I took. And every step of the way, you're thinking, how long, how much longer, where am I now? And how, how much longer do I have to go? The only thing that sustained me was that I had been to the mountaintop before. I had been up to the Leconte Lodge. I knew that it was a delightful place, rustic, but the food is delicious. Uh, there were warm blankets and uh, rocking chairs to sit in. And so I was looking forward to the future goal, the telos while along the way enjoying the amazing scenery, the life uh, in the mountains, the peaks, the wind, the, the wildlife. Uh, it, was a, it was an amazing thing, and it made me realize that, uh, that, when, that our journey as a church, when we're along a path and we start thinking about where are we headed, and are we headed along with God, and where does God want us to go, It's easy to keep asking about every 10th step. Are we there yet? Um, How much longer? Uh, And why is it so uphill? Uh, And so today, the, the texts from Scripture all focus on this idea of the sovereignty of God or the future of God being enacted in our world. And the, the text that we're going to hear now is from the Gospel of John. It's, it's a part of John's longer account of the trial of Jesus uh, and, and of his execution. And so here is a piece of that beginning in John, the 18th chapter. Let us listen for God's word. Then the Jews led G- Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. And so here they are, following the religious rules, wanting to be clean, and bringing Jesus to be executed. What irony! And so they won't go inside to meet the governor. So Pilate came out. Can you imagine early in the morning, and the governor is awakened and he's, and he's told, There's some people out there that are bringing somebody in to, to see you, but they won't come in to you. You're going to have to go out to them. What? Are you kidding me? Those Jews with their stupid rules? Why can't they just come in like everybody else? No, he had to go out. And so he's out there, he's irritated. And he asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have brought him here to you. Really? That's the best you've got? So Pilate says, well, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. He doesn't want anything to do with this. He he can see right through them. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. Pilate then went back inside the palace, brought Jesus in with him, and said, So are you the king of the Jews? It is, your own, is this your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate asked. It was your people, your own high priest who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, My kingdom isn't even of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, understand, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone who who is on the side of truth, listens to me. Pilate asked this famous question, What is truth? And with this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it's your custom to release a prisoner at the Passover, so do you want me to release this king of the Jews? And they said, No, not him give us Barabbas. And Barabbas was one who had been arrested as a part of a rebellion. So Pilate continues the conversation with Jesus, has him whipped, continues to try to evade the whole situation. He goes back out and he he, says, Pilate, Tried to set Jesus free again, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. It's about the worst threat that Pilate could hear. And so Pilate brought Jesus back inside, sat down on the judgment seat. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. He said to the crowd, Here is your king. And they said, take him away and crucify him. And he said, crucify your king? And they said, we have no king but Caesar. They have completely denied their covenant relationship with God. And finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So uh, Fred Craddock, who is a Methodist minister and author, tells the story of when he was a child, his father took him out in the backyard one night, and they were laying in the grass and looking up at the starry night, and his dad said to him, How far can you think? What do you mean? How far can you think? well I don't know well I want you to just try to think as far as you can up in the stars okay are you thinking yeah yeah, dad I'm thinking well are you thinking as far as you can yeah dad I'm... well do you have a, you, you're out there as far as you can think yeah alright I want you to in your mind I want you to put a stake down to mark that spot did you do that yeah, dad. Well, what's beyond that stake? Well, there's more space. Well, then I want you to move your stake out a little farther. And they laid in the grass and they kept moving the stake out farther and farther. And this, in a way, is a Sunday to do just that, to to move the stake of our imagination, to strain the boundaries of our expectation, to consider what it means to reach out for the upward call of Christ, as, as Paul put it, to grasp more clearly what it means when we are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we saying? What are we looking for? What are we doing while we're looking for it? All this language about kingdoms and kings, I I know the history of the church, its complicity with civil powers and how religious ideology and political power has kind of gotten in cahoots with each other, the employment of religion in the service of, of oppression, we don't have to even look far in history to see that. We might want to ask, do we really even want another king? Haven't we had enough? I mean, even the best king in the Bible, David, he's, he messed up, or picked the best president we've ever had in our country. You, you picked your favorite. They all had their faults. And so if this regal language of the church, Christ the King, has its limitations, well, at least Jesus seems to know it. Because he says, my reign does not have its source or its authorization in anything of this world. My reign is different from what you've seen and what you understand when you think about power. He wasn't saying my kingdom is somewhere else in some cloud floating in some distant future. He's saying my kingdom is different, qualitatively different from the kingdoms of this world. So We might think that if if his kingdom were like the ones we're used to, that it would be a time, a a realm where God is in control. And Jesus comes in and and cleans things up. I mean, that's what he said. If if my kingdoms were like what what you understand, I'd just recruit more angels to come in and wipe everything out. I'd just... uh, I'd just increase the security budget. I, I would just take control. And all my enemies would be flattened. But That's not my kingdom, he said. My kingdom is, is something altogether different. So maybe we need to imagine, move our stake farther out to consider what is it we're praying for When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here. Well, Jesus left us some clues. There there are clues throughout Scripture about what God's intention is. What God's intention now and in the future. Jesus talked in parables about the kingdom of God. He said it's like a wild weed that grows up within the garden boundaries why it's growing there it's crazy but it's growing this wild weed or it's like a small tiny seed that becomes a huge tree and this tree offers shelter and 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 security and a home to all the birds of the air god's intention for humanity is like a crazy landowner who wants to go on a long trip, and so he leaves the land in the care of his slaves. Jesus spoke in so many parables about the now and the future intention of God. He talked about how different it would be. Now it's an eye for an eye. But I say to you, forgive those who persecute you and love your enemies. Now it's, if you're a man and you feel like getting divorced, just do it, because those women, they're just your possession. And he said, no, marriage is holy, and it's an equal relationship, and it is to be honored. He said so many things that give us clues about God's intention, what we have to look forward to, and therefore how we might prepare now. He called himself a good shepherd. A good shepherd. Remember that? John chapter 10. And he's drawing on the imagery of his own people, his own faith tradition. The prophet Ezekiel in particular. Let me read from this prophet. For what... For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after the sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered, and I will bring them out from all the nations and gather them from all the countries. And I will tend them in good pasture. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So this is the good shepherd that Jesus is talking about who lays down his life for the sheep. He calls himself the good shepherd. The king becomes the wanderer who leaves the high walls of the palace and is out searching for the injured and the endangered and the lost. And so, if we are to dream about God's future or wonder what it means to live where God's will is done, on earth as in heaven, then we must join God in the search, in the great shepherding work. Our God wanders, willing to engage the challenging, dangerous work of shepherding. God wants God's followers to get out of the palace and join in the search, to wander every part of the community, to go where people mostly would not want to go, into situations that most people would avoid. I'm thinking today about a little group of people who work at the Solzbacher Center. And most days, they get in a van and they drive around looking for homeless folk. They drive all over past the places that we barely notice, little patches of woods or maybe a creek or a viaduct where homeless folk live because some of them don't want to come downtown or they can't or they're not able to stay in the center, but they're living in these camps hidden out of sight. And these folk go out every day to offer social services and medical care to them. You know what the name of that little group is? It's written right on the side of the van. It's called the Hope Team. That is the reign of God, the Hope Team. I think it's why Pope Francis is so popular. So Francis has hired people on his staff whose sole job is to go out into the community, go out and be his eyes and ears to see where the church should be at work. That's an image for the church. It reminds me of uh, Victor Hugo. Remember the play Les Miserables? And and there was this character called Bishop Welcome. And Bishop Welcome, he's living in, in this elaborate Episcopal palace and next door is a tiny cramped hospital with five or six little rooms and he says to the people next door there is evident, evidently some mistake here there are 36 of you in these little rooms and there are just three of us over here in the palace and we have room for 60 there, there is some mistake here I tell you, you should have my house, and, and I will have yours. Give me back my house, and you are at home here. And so the switch is made, and the palace becomes the hospital for the lost sheep. You know, our congregation is embarking, or you could say continuing, a process of Dreaming Dreams for Riverside. You've heard that slogan. It was our our, uh, theme for stewardship. And we're going to continue that work of discernment, discerning, dreaming God's future right here in, in this church. We're going to be asking people to participate in holy conversations, building on the work of strategic planning that was done a number of years ago and extending the stake farther outward, if you will, asking people to imagine where is God's brain breaking in and how might we join in it now. And I would like to suggest that we think about biblical images for the life of the church And here is one I would suggest to you. Now, I know no one image is adequate, but here is one, the good shepherd, the one we've heard about today, the shepherd who lays down his life for lost and injured sheep, searching and bringing them home. Peter Story is a Methodist minister who fought to keep the church from becoming the mouthpiece of the government in South Africa during the struggle for freedom there. And he issues this warning. The church must be different from and often over against and in contradiction to the ways of the nations, to the kingdoms of this world, if you will. That that alternative identity must be cherished and guarded as the most important characteristic of the church. The richest gift the church can give the world is to be different from it. It must be a constant irritant that the world doesn't want, but cannot live without. As we dream dreams and imagine The future that God intends. Think about being a prophetic irritant, a good shepherd, a wild weed, a tree of hospitality. Give thanks that the reign of God, the future of God, is now in breaking in our lives. We have tasted, we have tasted of that gift. And let us imagine and move the stake farther out. Amen.